Salud is supported by Texas Mutual Workers' Compensation Insurance Company. You just can't be scared. You have to know your limits. You know, there is value in listening to the next generation. We need more positive role models, and I think we need to still continue to make a difference. Hola, and welcome to Salud celebrating San Antonio Latina leaders. I'm your host, Melanie Mendez Gonzalez. On this episode, we're going to focus on the world of law enforcement and lawyers, where San Antonio Latinas are stepping up. One guest is leading young Latina lawyers. Another is leading an entire department of law enforcement after 30 years in the field. But our first guest has a background that could have led in a far different direction. Detective Claudia Torres shows how developing leadership skills can open up a world of new possibilities. Vamos. So the exciting thing about police work is never the same. Claudia, tell me, describe what your job is. I'm a detective with the San Antonio Police Department uh, in the robbery unit. Um, we investigate all robberies, bank robberies, uh, robberies of individuals, robberies of businesses. What is it like to be a female detective in the San Antonio Police Department? It's a big circus. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's different. Um, I think coming from the Marine Corps, mm -hmm. where I was the only female with 300 guys, mm -hmm. to come in to do this, it kind of prepared me. I know how guys talk. I know how they act. I know their sense of humor. I know the way they have trust issues with the female. Mm -hmm. But then I also see they want to protect you like their little sister. And you have to tell them, I got this. Like, yeah. let, me, let me grow. And it's just nature that wants, they've been taught, protect the female. I think um, it's, a, it's a growing, it's a learning experience for both. But once you have it, it's just like sister, brother, I'll do anything for you, you'll do anything for me, let's work together as a team. It's great once you build that bond. So what are some of your, or at least one of your biggest challenges in your work? One of my biggest challenges is they look at me and they underestimate me. They're like, mm, that's a girl. And not just with going to a new unit or applying for a position saying, I want to do it. They're like, it's a girl. Can she do it? You know? Yeah. But it's on the street too, going to calls, mm -hmm. pulling people out of a vehicle. You could see it in their criminal's heads. They're looking and they're analyzing, well, this is going to be the weaker link. Let's go after mm -hmm. her. And it's happened, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, just always being prepared. And I love that they underestimate me because then the Valley Girl comes out, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, use it as a tool, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. But also carry yourself professionally. 
know where you come from, be humble about it, but also bring something to the table, be prepared. You know, some of these criminals are smart, very, very smart, and I They're like, we see you're not scared of work. Do you want to go special assignment to work with DEA, ATF, uh, Secret Service? Mm -hmm. And I always saw it as an opportunity to learn something new to help my career. Mm -hmm. So anything they said, they're like, yes, yes. I said, I don't know what I'm doing, <laughs> but yes. Would you like to work undercover? Yes. Claudia, tell me about your first undercover assignment. So my first covert assignment was, um, I remember they recruited me and they said, they're usually good at recruiting the females younger on the department. And they said, you're gonna be a prostitute. And I was looking at it like, the movie Pretty Woman, <laughs> I'm gonna straighten my hair, do my nails. I went and got a pedicure. I was like, I gotta look pretty. Yeah. And I remember calling my dad and telling my dad excited. I said, I'm gonna work covert dad. And he was just like, what are you gonna be doing? I said, I'm gonna be a prostitute. And he was just like, oh, Claudia. Like, I hear it in your voice. You sound excited mm -hmm. about this opportunity. I said, I am. So I remember showing up and they're like, mm -hmm. you look too clean. He's like, you look too put together, you have all your teeth. And I was just like, no, they don't know what they're talking about. There was undercover detectives around me and they could hear me, but I couldn't hear them. Okay. And there was an old payphone there and they said, just pretend you're waiting for a payphone. And they said, but you can't call them. They have to come to you. And I remember nobody was stopping and it was already like over an hour. Um, and then finally someone stopped and he offered me a debit, uh, Lone Star card. So there was a lot of things that I learned from there. <laughs> and I remember there was a Walgreens behind us mm -hmm. and some guy ran into the Walgreens and it was just instinct that the minute he came across the parking lot and was coming towards me, I tackled him. So they looked at me and they're like, yeah, we just blew it. I said, it was just an instinct that right. so I- you were trained to do. Yes. Yeah. So Claudia, how do you, uh, I don't know if it's compartmentalized or you do so many different things. So I think it comes with time and experience mm -hmm. and maturity. I'm a mom of four kids, so I have to learn how to balance work and life. Mm -hmm. And it's a very stressful job. There's so much to do. There's so many checklists. <laughs> so I think it's just a matter of balancing it and no your limits. What would you say to uh, another young Latina um, in the force who wants to follow your footsteps in the way that you wanted to follow um, the detective's footsteps? So I, I guess it's different for us because mm -hmm. as females, some of us are mothers mm -hmm. and some of us put our family first, what works best. So we'll usually pick a position that's going to benefit our life. Um, you just can't be scared. You have to know your limits but you also have to know that your family is with you at the end of the day. This job isn't gonna remember how many hours or countless sleepless nights you did. You have to do that, but you also have to follow your heart and do what you're passionate about and don't be scared to do it. It's intimidating. It's scary to go into something you don't know or how is someone gonna react? Um, I, know it, it, I know this is a male dominant environment. And I'm not blind to that. So going into any new unit, the guys are looking at you as just another girl. Like, what are you gonna bring to the table? I know I can't take down a six foot, 300 pound guy. I know my limits, but 
I'm confident enough to know that I'm bringing something else to the table that they can't, you know? Women on the department show a lot more sympathy or empathy to situations that they feel more comfortable talking to them. And I think that's my strong point is interrogating people, speaking to them. I will always speak to someone as they're human. And my dad's always said, treat others the way you want to be treated. If someone is getting arrested, I don't know you from before this. This is the unfortunate incident where we're meeting and you have a story and a reason why we've come to this point. I imagine that other, in particular, uh, women are looking at you. What I, would you want them to know as your leadership style? I would say always lead by example. Mm -hmm. Always carry yourself with confidence, you know? Don't take shortcuts. Ask questions. Um, if they see you getting in the grind, getting in the middle of it, I'm gonna expect you to be right behind me in doing it. If I see someone doing something wrong, hey, don't, not so much belittle them, mm -hmm. but correct them and let them know that's right. not okay. Yeah. Um, I guess not being scared to have a voice, it, it is, but also respectfully and tactfully. You can't assume that everybody is just like you. Everybody is different, everyone learns differently, everyone has different sense of tempers or attitudes towards things. You don't know what's going on in their personal life that something negative. Talk to people. Communication is the main thing in yeah. everything. As someone who is always a minority, as a woman mm -hmm. in a male-dominated field, there's more women that are joining now. Yes. What are your hopes and visions for the women in the police force? My hopes is that they see bigger roles in themselves, that they take bigger parts, they're not scared or they're not intimidated that well, a guy is usually in charge of that team or that unit, not being afraid to step into those big shoes you know, and take charge, not caring what people say about you and still being able to show, look at what I can do, yeah. let, let, me, let me show you. So I think and I hope that it'll start growing and it's growing and we are seeing a lot more females. Mm -hmm. The most females that we've ever seen in classes for before used to only be two or three in a class. Now there's 10 in the class. Like, I'm like, wow, yeah. there's not enough showers for everybody <laughs> at the academy. How are we going to do this? So it's changing. It's, it's evolving and it's new times, you know? That's great. Well, thank mm -hmm. you for being a leader in that role of, of recruiting more women. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs>
I was in charge of the law clerks and legal interns and they would come in from law schools across the country and talk about how working at MALDEF was the first time they saw Latina lawyers in action. So coming to St. Mary's and here in San Antonio where there are an abundance of Latina lawyers, but even with an abundance, there are not very many of us still, I decided um, to create a, an environment that I wish existed, which was a collective of Latina lawyers. And that's how the idea began. And um, it's just grown from there to now having three tracks available to help students get into law school, the pre-law track, mm -hmm. the law student track, to help law students become the best students they can be and get the best grades possible, and then the lawyer track. That's amazing. I find it really fascinating that someone as young as you are uh, would take, take upon themselves to create this needed network and organization. Describe to me what it's like to be a young leader. Do you think of yourself that way? I just felt like I could do anything here at St. Mary's. And so I was involved in several organizations, was on our moot court team, was editor-in-chief of the Law Review for Race and Social Justice, mm -hmm. and also founder of the Latina Network. And I just found that if there are people who support what you're doing and are willing to um, you know, be on the board and help, it's something that is worthwhile. Mm -hmm. And that's what motivated me to do all of these additional things on top of doing law school. Tell me about getting into law school or following this path to become a lawyer. So I did not grow up thinking I wanted to be a lawyer. Mm -hmm. In fact, um, I always thought I would be a teacher. My mom is a teacher and that's the road I thought I was going to take. In undergrad, I studied public health, so not pre-law, but there I took a class about health policy, and I got inter interested in policy. So I applied for an internship through the Congressional Hispanic Caucus Institute to work on the Hill to learn more about health policy, and it was there where the people who I thought were really cool, I got their business cards and they all had a JD and I Googled it because I didn't even know what JD meant. And I realized they were lawyers. So I decided after my internship on the Hill, I was gonna work at a law firm just to see what it was like. So I really didn't even know what lawyers did. I had an experience of my own um, having press charges against somebody and seeing a lawyer in that capacity and I thought, that's really cool that they stood up for me, but never considered becoming a lawyer. And it wasn't until I worked at MALDEP and saw how they represented the legal community in court across all the states. Uh, it was very empowering for me. And that's when I realized, okay, this is what I want to do. It was very striking to see a team of Latina attorneys go up in federal court against you know the Department of Justice, other places, and just see the differences in the legal teams and um, just really think like, wow, like Latinas are up here doing the most incredible work. Maybe I could do that. But what drove you to continue to go on when, when it felt really hard? I'm very driven by my family, uh, in particular my mom. 
My mom is an immigrant and her family, all her brothers and sisters, when they came to the country, they were migrant farm workers. And they worked so hard doing manual labor in the fields the majority of the year. And whenever I felt down, I would just think, okay, I'm not out of the fields, I'm not picking <laughs> vegetables, I'm just sitting here in air conditioning, yes. studying. Um, so that was a big motivation for me to keep pursuing and pushing when it got challenging, but also the side of their story and the discrimination they received. Um, they actually marched with Cesar Chavez in California for better rights. And my mom now, she was able to go to school, became a teacher, vice principal, principal, worked her way up to director of migrant services in her district. And seeing the change that she's made for students who are just like her inspired me to do the same. Who have been your mentors? Oh my goodness, I've been incredibly fortunate to have great mentors. Um, my first mentor in the legal field was Andrea Centeno. She is regional counsel of the Washington DC MALDEF office. And she encouraged me to take the LSAT, to apply to law school. You know, she gave me so many opportunities and she's helped me along the way. And here at St. Mary's, our Dean of Law School, Patty Roberts, has been an incredible mentor to me and supporter of the Latina Network. She's not Latina and she shows me the importance of having allies that are not Latinas, but they're still in your corner 100%. I say she's an honorary Latina uh, here on campus because she goes above and beyond for the student organization and summit, and as well as my mom. She's always been there for me and guides me through so many things. It's beautiful and so special. Thank you. So these are the officers that do all the work. Let's start with you sharing with us, what do you do? Okay, so the constable's office, the, it's not criminal, even though a lot of criminal stuff falls in our lap. The main, pro, the main thing that the, the constable's office does is civil process. So what does that mean? Uh, you're talking about rid of possessions, which is like an eviction. Mm -hmm. uh, we do protective orders. We do rid of attachments, which means that uh, sometimes if a mother and father are battling and the children were taken by someone that's not supposed to have them, uh, we go and get the children by the judge's orders, that's right. signed by the judge's orders, mm -hmm. stuff like that. And, and what do you personally do, uh, Constable, do you go with the, the team who does that? I used to do stuff like that before because mm -hmm. I was with the Sheriff's Office for 25 years, mm -hmm. but now I mainly stay in the office because while they're out in the field, there is also, we have court going on, we have a front door that the public walk in, so a lot of times while my guys are out in the field, I try and stay here at the office in case there is an incident or something, they still have me. Sometimes the tax office calls, the probation office calls, mm -hmm. so my vehicle's out there, me and the chief. We usually stay in the office and we'll jump in our vehicles and go and investigate. So let's back up a little bit and uh, tell me a little bit about your career, how you ended up, when you started and how you ended up here in, in this office. I started at the Sheriff's Office for 25 years ago. Mm -hmm. 
Um, started at the jail, went to the courthouse, was in D.A.R.E. I was a D.A.R.E. instructor for a little while, and uh, D.A.R.E. got disbanded at, at one point, mm -hmm. so we went, I went to patrol. So I was on patrol for about 14 years, and then from there, uh, Sheriff Salazar was in office at that time, and he started a SCORE, which is a like uh, community policing. Mm -hmm. uh, so I joined that, and I was there for about four years, um, and then eventually, uh, Something happened here at this office mm -hmm. where they needed someone to put an application, and I was uh, appointed okay. to, to take over this office. Yeah. I was supposed to stay here for 15 months mm -hmm. and then vacate so other people could run. Um, well, things started to change. Uh, a lot of people started to inquiring if I was going to run or not. I started getting some pressure. Uh, things started to get a little kind of hasty with people that were starting to get. Uh, pushy. Yeah. So, uh, and some of the people that were running, I just wasn't comfortable with them coming into the office after we had done so much to clean up and fix and get the integrity back and all that stuff. So, I decided to run. Yeah. And I won. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, along the way, what kind of challenges have you faced in your career? I wanted to get in law enforcement since I was in middle school. Like I was in maybe elementary. I always wanted to be a police officer. Mm -hmm. I always, even though I was a, the only girl in my family, I have three brothers, mm -hmm. and I was the only girl, I always wanted to be in law enforcement. So I always wanted to be that cop, yeah. you know. And, but I got married, had my three daughters, so I put that on hold. So I actually didn't start the sheriff's office till I was 35, which was kind of old compared to everybody yeah. that was in the uh, cadet class with me. Uh, so being at the jail, being at the courthouse, being in D.A.R.E., yes, I mean, I was out there as a female officer, but I didn't really feel any kind of um, resistance towards my, with my fellow officers mm -hmm. until I went to patrol, because at that time there was still very few female patrolmen. So I had to work hard at not being a female officer, but being recognized as a officer. Yeah. I didn't want them to see, I didn't want them to see the female, I wanted them to see that I was equal mm -hmm. to a patrolman. I wanted them to have confidence in me when I went to calls, and I wanted them to feel like if I showed up for backup, they knew they were in good hands, mm -hmm. and vice versa. So uh, being around, working with the community and being around them, you know, um, sometimes having a female officer there we were the one, and being a mom, you right. know, being able to control the situation better than some of the male officers right. that wanted to be all guns and, you know. Yeah. So, so I think that that, some of the supervisors recognized that mm -hmm. and saw that I could be an asset that way. What kind of advice do you give to Latinas who want to go into law enforcement? Well, I mean, it's a great career. Mm -hmm. I, I think it still is, and I think we need to still continue to make a difference. Mm -hmm. I, we, uh, if I could say anything, um, we law enforcement officers do not like bad law enforcement officers. We, we also don't like that. So uh, we need more positive role models. How else would you describe your leadership style? What you see is what you get. My door is always open. Uh, I, don't, I don't put myself above anybody else. Mm -hmm. uh, I worked in the trenches and I don't ask them to do anything that I wouldn't do. So I'm curious, because you said you're the only girl of three brothers, mm -hmm. um, and you always wanted to be a cop. What was it about being a police officer that attracted you to the service? I think because they're public servants. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they help people. 
I've always wanted to help everybody. I mean, I came in at the beginning, oh, I want to rescue and save everybody, and I realized that that's, that's not possible. But if I can make a difference to one, two, three, ten, hopefully by now hundreds, yeah. then I've done something. You know, my right. father and mother were very, my father was, oh, he had the hugest, biggest heart. He loved animals, so I love animals. My mom was, my mom was something else. She was hell on wheels, so to say. <laughs> so I guess I get that from her, but mm -hmm. uh, they were very, my mom and dad would help everybody. Can you share a little bit more about who instilled um, you're wanting to give back to your community mm -hmm. and of course your strong work ethic. Like I mentioned, my family, my mm -hmm. parents. So uh, I always keep this on my desk. This is a picture of my my parents. So this is my uncle, mm -hmm. but this is my father, my mother, and my grandfather. Mm -hmm. And look where they're at. They're out there uh, picking the onions bills. and potatoes. Uh, Whenever I think about how hard they work to make a difference for us, mm -hmm. and I remember, you know, hearing the stories of how um, how hard they had it. Right. You know, I have no reason to complain. You know, they were working out there for a nickel a bag, mm -hmm. and here, you know, uh, how can I how can I not continue to work hard for them? Well, thank you for leading your department to, oh, to you. do that for the community and, and for your service. We thank you for it. allowing me to tell my story. Thank you. And nice meeting you. Nice to meet you, too. Yes. <laughs>